From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is Lindsay McPherson, a budget and politics and appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Lindsay. Good to be back, David. And we're going to talk today about the derailment of a major pandemic relief package uh, that the Senate blocked on Thursday. I think it's a sign, Lindsay, that Congress is getting a little tired of pandemic relief, or at least some of them are. There's a lot less uh, willingness to pass aid packages as this pandemic has dragged past two years. They were passing trillions of dollars in relief with almost without batting an eye initially. <laughs> uh, then it became a partisan battle uh, where Democrats sped through a major you know, $2 trillion aid package. Now it's getting a lot tougher and Democrats really saw how hard it is on Thursday. What happened there? Well, it is a lot of what you said that certain lawmakers, particularly Republicans, are tired of pandemic spending. You know, here we are in 2022, the full two years after the pandemic started. And um, Republicans in particular blame the high inflation we're seeing now on, in large part, on congressional spending during the early stages of the pandemic. And while they were party to a good amount of that spending, um, they definitely think the pandemic is no longer as big of a threat as it used to be and that the federal government's role is, you know, they've already put a lot out there and that the federal government should take a back seat on the spending. And particularly, it's not that they're not sympathetic to some of these businesses, but they just feel like it's going to be do more harm than good for the economy because it would potentially further fuel inflation. So it's a, it was a $48 billion package, only $5 billion of that was offset. And so that's another issue too. And you're thinking about the amount of spending, if it's not even paid for, for the most part, that was a big concern among Republicans. So while there was large support for helping restaurants and some other businesses in this bill included like buses, ferries, gyms, border region businesses, you know, from businesses that are located near border ports of entry that were closed during the pandemic, uh, minor league sports franchises and some other things. They did all take big revenue losses and took on a lot of debt during the pandemic. And there is sympathy for that. It's just it is this fatigue, this deficit spending fatigue, and it, it was too much. There were five Republicans who voted for the package, but it wasn't enough to get the six to clear the sixty vote threshold on this particular vote, which was a procedural vote um, on a motion to invoke cloture on the motion to proceed to the bill, which you know, fancy Senate terms, but basically <laughs> to even get on the bill, they had to clear that sixty vote threshold, and they did not do it. Right. And Republicans did hold pretty firm. As you said, only five of the 50 of them were willing to, to let this thing advance. Pretty clear that to do more aid, at least for small businesses, it's going to have to be paid for. And, and this bill w- was largely deficit spending, and Republicans just weren't willing to bite anymore on that. That's a big change from what we've seen in the past. 
of course, we should say, you know, they this came on the heels of just hours earlier, they passed a major Ukraine aid package, all unpaid for, 41, almost $41 billion. So, you know, they're willing to spend some emergency money on that, but not pandemic relief. There was a contrast there. This was mostly for restaurants, $40 billion of the, of the $48 billion package, all for restaurants. And that's because they initially tried to, to help restaurants last year. There was initially a, a plan for $120 billion just for restaurants, this restaurant re- re- relief fund, huge amount they were going to spend. And that got whittled down last year to just $28 billion, I think. And what happened was, of course, there just wasn't enough money to go around. That, that aid got sucked up in a heartbeat and something like two-thirds of the restaurant applicants never got any money. The fund ran dry. And so this was this was an attempt to help everyone else who had applied last year and didn't get anything, right? And that's why most of this money was put forward now, this $40 billion for restaurants. And there is still, I think, Lindsay, some sympathy from both parties to help these restaurants, but how they do it and whether they pay for it, that I mean, that's the major hurdle there, right? Right. Well, at this point, I think... They clearly couldn't find enough pay fors. As we saw, they only had five billion for this package. So I think and they were already struggling with pay fors on a different COVID aid package, you know, for therapeutics and vaccines and testing supplies and stuff. Um, so it, it it in large part this effort is dead. I mean, it is unfortunate because the restaurants do need help. Um, so do these other industries and even some others that weren't included in the Senate package have written written about some who were left out. Um, but the restaurants in particular, I think there was more bipartisan support. And I think a lot of the Republican support came on helping these restaurants because in that initial grant program, they basically had approved a bunch of people and yeah, they just ran out of funding. And so there were, these were qualified applicants, people who were promised money that ultimately didn't get any because they didn't put enough guardrails in the initial legislation to, you know, they didn't think about the demand. They knew there would be a demand because like you said, at one point they had proposed $120 billion for this fund, but they just, I guess, when they're in a rush to get it written and passed into law as part of the larger package, they... They had to whittle it down to get it through is what happened. I mean... Right, but they could have done some things that they ended up doing in this package. So this package had language that said, you know, if there's not enough money for everyone, then as the small business administration could prorate their award. So everyone gets kind of a proportional amount of their request. Um, you know, so that's something they could have done in the initial bill that might have solved this problem where that you basically have some Russians who got multiple millions of dollars um, and then others who got nothing. And so like, you know, if they all got like 500,000, for example, they wouldn't be in this situation where they're complaining because at two thirds just didn't get anything. And the one third who did, some of them got big chunks. Maybe they didn't need it all. There have been, you know, reports of the way people have spent that money. That is like, you know, it's, it's nice that they had it, but you know, they're just like making upgrades that weren't necessary and not necessarily to the purpose of the program where some of these other restaurants are just like struggling to pay off debt and are in danger of closing. So you know, as yeah. with many things, congressional intent doesn't always translate um, when 
implementation happens. And they were trying to basically fix that for these restaurants who got left out. And it unfortunately for them, it did not advance and it's unlikely to. And there was an interesting conflict, I thought, where where Republicans were basically arguing, you know, they, they are, not only were they troubled that it's not paid for, but a lot of them were st- starting to question the need for it at all, right? Some of the hardliners like Rand Paul of Kentucky saying, look, you know, this is two years in already. The, 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 the economy is up again, open for business. The shutdowns are over. How long are we going to keep funneling aid? When does it end? Uh, they should be able to work now. So let's get back to normal. And then you had Democrats saying, well, hang on, you know, the economy's open, but a lot of these restaurants still can't make it. They're heavily indebted from the shutdown period. And there's a shortage of workers, so they can't even run all their shifts morning, noon, and night. They're still strapped. They still have to close down for some hours. And so they, a lot of them still need help. And if you talk to the restaurant industry, they'll tell you, yes, a lot of them do need help. And there's still thousands and thousands out there that may be closing in coming months without aid. So it's a serious problem and conflicting views over, over whether more aid is needed and how much. It's, it, it gets really complicated. You you did a nice job reporting on all this yesterday. You I thought Lindsay, you had an interesting contrast between Louisiana's two senators who were on opposite sides of the fence on this. Right. So Bill Cassidy ended up. He was one of the five who voted for the procedural motion. And we should say they're both Republicans, but they were on opposite sides of the fence. Right. So Bill Cassidy told me basically he weighed. He he certainly had concerns that the bill was not fully paid for, but he weighed that against the need of the restaurants in his state. You know, New Orleans is a big restaurant town. Lots of great food there. Um, and you know they had a lockdown that really hurt that industry, and some of those restaurants still need a lot of help. So he he decided that 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 need was greater than the fact that the bill wasn't paid for. And he weighed that. And Kennedy, you know, said he was sympathetic to the restaurants and he does believe yeah, that's, that's John, John Kennedy, another Republican, more, a little more conservative. And he opposed the bill. Right. He, he is also sympathetic to the need of the restaurants and, you know, said this and other things that, you know, are being proposed. They're all great causes, but it's just a matter of, at some point, the federal government needs to stop shoveling out billions of dollars, particularly unpaid for spending. And he's said that inflation is a big chunk of the problem with inflation is because of all of the congressional spending. He had talked about other factors as well as, you know, the Federal Reserve not, you know, pursuing its uh, quantitative easing policies and stuff sooner. But he's definitely one of the many Republicans who believe congressional spending has fueled inflation and wants to ease off that, particularly at this time until inflation cools. Other than he, he actually, in general, would like to freeze not, non-defense spending. He understands the need, you know, in a wartime to continue to support defense needs, but he, he would like to freeze non-defense spending altogether. That didn't make it in my story because that was not directly related to the restaurant, but that, that that's the way a lot of these Republicans view spending in general. They're right. not as eager to support things on the non-defense side as they are on the defense side. And you saw that contrast, like you mentioned, with the Ukraine vote yesterday that had all but 11 Republicans who voted f- for the Ukraine aid. And then 
it was only on the flip side, only five Republicans who voted for this restaurant small business aid. So where are we now, Lindsay? I mean, the Democratic House did pass a small business aid package through, but the Senate just derailed their version. Any hope you see of something coming together or does it look like it's pretty much just dead? I think it's pretty much dead and it's just all too much money, to be honest with you. I don't think they're ever going to find that many offsets that Republicans and Democrats can agree to. And then there are there are other needs that they're still struggling that are arguably, I'm, I'm not trying to argue this myself, but like in lawmakers' minds are probably going to take precedent, like the funding for the vaccines and therapeutics and COVID testing and things to prepare for future variants. And there are elements of this package like there, like some language, for example, that costs nothing to say that businesses who are already approved for a shuttered venue um, operator grants, that their, their deadline to spend their grant money is coming up here in about a month, but this would give them basically close to another year to spend it. Because uh, a lot of them have said, you know, like, they just started opening and like, they haven't had the ability to spend all that money because of their, their delayed opening until either late last year or this year. Um, so stuff like that, little things that provide more flexibility into existing programs that are out there to help small businesses might make it in future legislation, could easily be tucked into an omnibus spending bill um, or even a COVID relief bill if it ever does come to fruition. And maybe little bits of this, maybe if they were to, you know, Cardin had the lead author of this um, bill, Senator Wicker, they had said it was kind of a last ditch attempt, but on the floor yesterday before this vote, they said, we're willing to cut this package down, you know, substantially, maybe as much as half. They said they could have changed the requirements, you know, capped awards on the restaurant grants and other grants lower at lower amounts. They could have like narrowed it. So only smaller restaurants and ones with fewer locations could qualify and just target those who are most in need. So if they were to redesign it in a smaller form, I, I wouldn't totally rule it out popping up again, but it, it just seems very unlikely. You did report how Ben Cardin, the, the, the chief sponsor of this bill, he's the Maryland Democrat, he heads the Senate Small Business Committee, did make this last minute attempt to sort of cut, just he was basically saying, hey, just let me get this bill going on the floor and we'll work on it and we'll we'll cut down the size of it. But that didn't fly. But it does raise the question, if he does come up with a way to cut the bill down, as you say, could they maybe attach it to any any COVID relief package that comes along? Or, um, you know, if it's half this size and if they find, I guess they would still need to find ways to pay for it. I think that seems to be the biggest hurdle, right? Right. They still need to find ways to pay for it. And they would still need to find the five more Republicans. So the, the attempt to cut in half was in part to appease some of the current Republicans who are willing to vote to proceed to the bill. So Lisa Murkowski, uh, Murkowski from Alaska, for example, you know, Republican had told me earlier before the vote that she was still weighing what to do because while she wants to help restaurants in her state, and she said there are a lot of them still in need that she thought that $48 billion cost was too high and she wanted to see it come down. So that offer, you know, she and others were talking to Cardin behind the scenes about like the potential for amendments to reduce the cost if they were to get on the bill. But Cardin told me after the vote that basically those five Republicans and a handful of 
you know, moderate Democrats like Joe Manchin and Angus King were the ones interested in those amendments and that they didn't have the other five who were like open to getting on the bill to have the debate over the amendments. They just didn't see either the need or the fact that they were even going to get close to a package that they could support in terms of amount of spending and pay for. So there'd have to be some who voted against the bill, I think, to come to Cardin and say, I'm willing to work with you on this to make it happen. And Cardin indicated yesterday that while, you know, he will definitely keep an ear out and he's always open to it. He's just not, he doesn't want to give anyone false hope. And I don't want to give anyone false hope. I think that is, I, I've gotten more than any other issue I've ever covered. I've get like DMS on my Twitter and people mentioning and emailing me about this and who are all like, they want this relief so bad. And I think they've gotten a lot of false hope from the lawmakers up to this point about what is realistic and to level with people. It's not realistic that they're going to do anything on this. And it's unfortunate, but I think those businesses need to stop, start planning for that because some of them are sitting here waiting for this money that was probably never going to come. And of course, it does come as a huge blow to the restaurant industry, who's been lobbying for months, really since last year, pretty vigorously for more aid. There was this whole group of restaurants that united called the Independent Restaurant Coalition that banded together in hopes of highlighting their problem. They said there's like 177,000 restaurants who are counting on on aid that never got it and that more than half of them may close in the next few months if they don't get this aid. So there could be real heartache out there, we should say, without federal help, but there may be none coming. I mean, you know, Hope springs eternal, and there there may still be a way to do it, but it doesn't, as you point out, it doesn't seem like if any aid comes, it would be of this magnitude anymore. And it does show, I think, pandemic. I think I, you know, everybody's sort of tired of the pandemic. I guess, you know, and people are tired of talking about the pandemic. <laughs> and you know, God knows it's been two years on, and and uh, it's worn us all out health restrictions and 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 the rest and the economic fallout and it's it's really taken a toll now but the sympathy for for yet more relief is really running thin maybe the only thing that might change that thinking lindsay of course is if we get a new surge a new wave of the virus right and then then the, those political dynamics might change and if if all of a sudden you know, everybody's getting sick again and there's a huge wave out there and hospitalizations and all, then I think Congress could scramble pretty quickly and do a new COVID relief package that need more money for medical anyway. And then you'd think they could put in more uh, economic aid as well. And who knows? I mean, some of the experts were saying there may be a new wave coming by the fall or winter. Then I think that might change the dynamics, and we'd have to see where we are at that point. Um, but it does seem as though, for the moment, um, th- this thing may be dead, which does raise the question, Lindsay, of the broader COVID relief package. Uh, folks might remember it's been stalled now since last month. Um, you know, the, the the White House had requested $22.5 billion they need for, for vaccines and therapeutics and testing. They say their money has run dry on that stuff, and they're trying to prepare for a new wave. The Senate 
was hesitant even to do that. And they had negotiated a bipartisan compromise of $10 billion, less than half the amount the White House wanted, but that stalled in this big immigration fight over what's called Title 42, which is this policy that's allowed the the U.S. to just expel any migrants and keep them out of the country during the pandemic. The administration is supposed to lift that policy on Monday, much to the chagrin of a lot of lawmakers, including many Democrats who fear just a surge of migrants at the border. And so there's a huge fight on that. And Republicans are saying we need you know, any COVID package would have to have a Title 42 reimposition in it or a vote on it at least. Um, so where are we on that? Is any is any COVID relief package possible? Certainly at this moment, not without some vote or other action on Title 42. I say other action because this policy currently is set to be lifted on Monday, but there is an expectation that a federal judge might rule as soon as today to put an injunction on the administration from lifting it. And if there is a court injunction that keeps it in place, that might change the legislative debate. I guess it would depend on the terms and how long that is and obviously that could be challenged. But, but in general, yes, there is Republicans really want to codify the, this, they want to keep it in place through the duration of the pandemic and the pandemic being like the public health emergency as declared by the government. And I think a lot of moderate Democrats have said they want this too. I mean, these are bipartisan solutions to Title 42 in terms of continuing it. Um, But there are a lot of progressive and even some, you know, middle of the road Democrats who want to lift Title 42. They don't think it's really, I mean, the goal of Title 42 is so basically if you're a migrant and you're seeking asylum. That's a legal process where you can actually enter and stay in the U.S. to seek asylum versus like an illegal border crossing. That's always illegal pre-pandemic or not. But if you're seeking asylum pre-pandemic, you could do that in the U.S. And now under Title 42, they were just saying for public health reasons, we don't want to bring all these people in who might be carrying the virus. You could be quickly expelled outside the U.S. during the pandemic. But they're saying, you know, as we're easing back all these other restrictions and the CDC, the administration said we've been relying from the CDC to the Centers and Disease Centers for Disease Control says there's no public health reason to continue turning these asylum seeking migrants away at the border. So that's why they say they're lifting it. And I think a lot of Democrats feel like this is long overdue. And this is a big battle because it's it is technically a public health policy. It is not a border policy, but it has border policy implications. And so the Republicans and Democrats who want to see this extended, I don't know that they're that really concerned about these migrants bringing COVID into the country. They're concerned about, are we able to process all these migrants at the border? And so that's a different policy. Um, And I think, you know, there's, you know, but it just, it's a border control debate at this point, not necessarily a public health debate, but one of the issues Republicans have is like it's kind of hypocrisy on the administration where they're asking for the more money for COVID to fight COVID and the virus, and yet they're saying, well, there's no need to fight it in terms of at the border. It's not it's not as much of a concern. So I, there are fair arguments on all sides, but the point is, yes, unless they find out some legislative solution to keep this in place that would appease these Republicans and even moderate Democrats, they're unlikely to be able to pass any additional COVID money without that. 
But on the flip side, there are progressives in the House and Hispanic caucus members in the House who are saying they would not vote for legislation to reinstate Title 42. So it's like you got ones who won't vote without it and ones who won't vote with it. So it's like I don't even see how this could pass at this point. And it's caught the whole COVID aid package in, in, in limbo because of that over this immigration fight. It's, it's, it's really astounding um, because, you know, one really has nothing to, to do with the, with the availability of vaccines and, and therapeutics, but it's the Republicans are insisting to tie them together. Uh, and even if the, even if there is a court injunction, um, I, I'm not sure Republicans will think that's good enough. Uh, it seems to me they're still going to insist on a vote on this thing to, to make sure it stays in place. Yeah, probably not. But I, I, I just raised that as a, it could certainly reduce the pressure a little bit and cool, but I don't, you know, maybe, it, yeah, maybe uh, we don't know, but um, we'd have to see what the injunction says and how likely it is to be challenged and all that. Right. There are a lot of factors at play, but the point is, yes, there's no easy path to moving the COVID relief. There hasn't been for a month now and it's, it's not getting easier, especially as title 42 issue comes up next week. And so that's where we are with pandemic fatigue, folks. No COVID aid and no small business aid, at least for now. We'll see what happens. We'll cover it all for you. But that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Lindsay, again for being here. Thanks, David, again for having me. And we will be back next week. Mm -hmm.